getting ready to rumble. I almost started dancing during that. But many of you haven't eaten yet, so I didn't want to do that. Or maybe you just ate, and that would be really ugly, wouldn't it? I'll tell you. But maybe sometime I might. You might need to come back just to see me dance. Just because everybody needs a laugh every now and then, you know? And, and I, I guarantee you, what? You might pay to do that? Now, once you saw it, you wouldn't pay for it, I guarantee you. It's just, it's not pretty. I'm just telling you, it's kind of ugly, really. And uh, I have no rhythm, and so there you go. Hey, today's my wife's 60th birthday. I made her picture today. Yeah. I made her picture today with my cell phone. I don't really know how to do that, but she showed me how I begged her to let me make a picture and send it to our girls. And, and so we did that by some of her flowers on the back porch. And maybe I'll get somebody to help me and I'll, I'll put it out there where you can see it. She was at the last service and I made her stand up. I said, how many of you know Laura? And, and uh, some did. And I said, how many of you don't? And they, they didn't. And so I made her stand up and take off her mask so they could see her. But, but she's not at this service. She said once was enough to hear me preach. And, <laughs> and the possibility of me dancing was just not an option. So... So anyway, uh, we're not going to go there today, but aren't you, you can relax, I'm not going to dance, okay? But we are talking about a new series today, and it's an endless pursuit, okay? And we're talking about, you know, have you ever said this, have you ever said, if we could just get that, we'd be happy. If we could just have this, we'd be happy. If we could just pay that off, we'd be, anybody ever thought that or said that or know anybody? Yeah. And so that's what I want to talk about today because there can be a continual pursuit for more. And today I want to talk about the continual pursuit for fame. I want to be known. I want to be liked. I want to be followed, accepted. I want to be admired and respected. I want to be famous, right? Okay. Now, I know what some of you are saying. I know. You're saying, well, ha, 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 ha. I can sit back and relax today because this sermon doesn't apply to me. I have no desire to be famous. How many of you would say that about yourself? You have no desire to be famous. Oh, really? Well, let's just talk about that, okay? Because I have a little theory here, and when I talk about this, you're going to go, oh, I didn't know that because you might be surprised at the ways that you might want to have a little bit of fame. Now, it's not full-blown fame that you pursue, but it might be a micro-craving for fame. Say that to your neighbor, a micro-craving. See, now wait now. See, you're, you're not so happy now. You're a little uncomfortable. Well, let me keep going, okay? For instance, do any of you overcommit in your lives? Anybody here, and you're honest, that thank you, you overcommit. Okay. Do you know what that means? When you overcommit, you have a deep need to be liked by everybody. That's what's going on there. And it's because of a micro craving for fame. See, you're not as elite at this as you thought you were. It applies to you. You end up saying yes when you want to say no, and you find yourself over committed, or perhaps whenever you do something, you want credit for it. Did you notice what I did? I, I washed the clothes. Did you notice? 
I took out the trash. Did you notice? Hey, I worked at the church. I volunteered. I served down there. Did you notice? I gave. I served. I loved. I'm showing you something that I did that was special. And I want you to notice what I did. And I want credit for it because I have a micro craving for fame. Or maybe you're overly sensitive. Anybody in here overly sensitive? And in denial? <laughs> oh, don't point to your wife. You get in trouble. Okay, if you're overly sensitive, what that means is a hundred people could tell you, you did a great job. But one says you didn't do so well and you just fall apart because of it. Or, you know, social media contributes to that today. I'm sure you believe that. It's a breeding ground for a hunger of fame. You know, you post a picture and you want to get the caption just right. Did you like my picture? Did you see my picture? What do you think of my picture? Why don't you respond to my picture? And some people today will delete a photo in five minutes if they don't get enough response. Now, not you, but other people would do that, okay? For those of you who are above all of this, you don't have a need to be liked or known or admired or respected or followed or famous, chances are that your children or your grandchildren or your friends may have this need and they may struggle with it. Let me tell you this. Did you know, this is important, are you listening? Is everyone listening? Are you paying attention to what I'm saying right now? I want you to know because I'm talking about 10 to 12-year-olds right this minute. In, in this very moment, I'm saying that 10 to 12-year-olds, their number one goal is not to be rich. And it's not for success. And it's not for achievement. It's not even for community or relationship. Do you know what 10 to 12-year-olds really want in their lives? They really want to be famous, to be broadly known, to be accepted and respected. I told a mom that after the service, and her son was standing there with her who's almost 10, and she said he wants to be on YouTube. He, 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 I can tell you that's true. 10 to 12-year-olds, that's where they are. Now, anybody here today, 22 to 37? Ray Sheffield is in denial, or, or dementia may be setting in. I'm not sure which. You know, in the last service, I asked that question, and some people who were 22 to 37 raised their hand, and Mike Tallman, who's in his 80s, was on the front row, and his hand went up like that. It's just happy. Ignorance is bliss, isn't it? Well, you know, I'm curious. If you're in that category, 50% of folks 22 to 37 years old think that they should make a movie about their lives. They do. Now, the people who are laughing are the other 50% who are not going to your movie. We're not going, okay? <laughs> we don't care. One in 12 people want to have their name, a household name, so badly, listen, that they would disown their families in order to be famous. One in nine people would give up on the possibility of marriage if they could be famous. One in six people would give up on having children if they could have fame. People would give up so much of what we consider to be important to be famous. Now, listen, I want you to hear this. There's nothing wrong with being famous. 
okay? Because some people are going to be famous. There's nothing sinful about that. In fact, if you excel at what you do, if you're the best of the best, if you're at the top of your field, then fame is almost inevitable. In fact, you can make an argument that there are times when God actually makes people famous. Would you agree with that? Did you know that? Let me give you an example, all right? You say, what's your example? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. David is a great example in the Old Testament in 1 Chronicles. When David was obedient to God, God made him famous. Look what it says. So David did as God commanded him, and they struck down the Philistine army all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. So David's fame spread throughout every land, and the Lord made all the nations fear him. You know, he killed Goliath. That's enough, isn't it? That'll make you famous, and everybody's afraid of him now. Evidently, he made David famous. Solomon, David's son, God made him famous as well. In fact, God went to Solomon, and he said, I'll give you a request. What would you like to have? And Solomon said, above everything else, I would like to have wisdom. And God said, really? Well, because you asked for wisdom and not fortune and fame, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you fortune and fame as well in addition to it. Now, there's nothing wrong with being famous. You could probably argue that Jesus is famous, isn't he? I mean, he raised the dead, he opened blind eyes, he healed the deaf, he taught the people, he, the people followed him, crowds followed him wherever he went. He was famous. There's nothing wrong with being famous, but a pursuit for fame, the trajectory of that can take you away from God and away from other people and put the focus on yourself. And that's where we run into trouble. What things have changed over the past decades? Well, I'll tell you something that's changed that's been amazing to me. It used to be that if you wanted to be famous, you had to do something to be famous. You had to do something significant. You had to do something memorable. You had to be the best in your field. You had to be a great athlete. You had to be a famous politician or a movie star. You had to walk on the moon. You had to do something to be famous. Not anymore. With social media and YouTube, you can be famous just by creating content. How about that? And you can be famous for something good or for something bad. It could go either way. We think, you know, if more people would just follow me, if more people would just like me, if I could have a little more popularity, if they would just watch me in my sport, if they could know my craft, if they could know what I do, if I could be known for being funny, that is what I need. That's what I need to make me happy. If I had that, then I would be happy. And again, you, you can do things. Now listen, if you're in a position or you have a platform, you can take that platform and you can help other people. Laura and I watched this thing on, on TV the other night. She punched it in and it was about Audrey Hepburn. Nobody knows who Audrey Hepburn is, right? Well, go home and Google her, okay? Because she was famous, okay? You just don't know it because she was a little before your time. Audrey Hepburn grew up in Europe and because of that, when World War II broke out, there were people malnourished. There were people, children were starving there. And so UNICEF came in 
and fed the children. And she said she was one of those kids. And, and her, she was very thin all of her life. And, and she was known as a beautiful actress and, and people admired her. But, but she really wanted to be a ballerina. And because of that malnourishment, she really never could achieve her goal. And she was older than she wanted to be because during those strategic years when she could have studied ballet and really become serious about it, you know, she was unable to do that because of the war. But you know what she did? Instead of complaining about that, and instead of saying I'm heartbroken because I couldn't achieve my goal, she said, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm, I'm gonna try to help other children who are starving, because I know what it's like to be hungry. And she dedicated her life, and she would go around the world, and she would speak, and she would travel to other countries, and she, because of her fame, she would raise awareness of what was going on with children. And she spoke to people, and she would talk about raising money, and millions of dollars would just pour in because Audrey Hepburn just shined a light on a need. So fame can be used for something positive, can it? You can do something. You can make a real difference if you use it in the right way. But be careful because the pursuit of fame draws you away from God, and it draws you away from other people, and it focuses on yourself. Counselors will tell you fame can actually be very traumatic. John the Baptist is somebody who dealt with fame really well. John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, came along, and he said, hey, somebody's coming. Get ready. Something's getting ready to happen. Repent. Turn from your sin. And, and he was kind of this crazy prophet, right? Because he ate Locusts and wild honey. Anybody here on that diet plan? Because, you know, there's a lot of plans out there, and who knows? You might be on that plan. I grew up with a guy named Doug Pennington. He ate locusts and wild honey. He, he, he did. He used to eat grasshoppers and tell me that they had protein when we were, he was a little bit different. He, you know, I would go along with the peanut butter, but I wasn't really up on the, on the grasshoppers. Ask him next time you see him. So, have you had any locusts and wild honey lately? Ask him that. Now, he also wore clothes made, that were made of animal skins. Ask Doug what kind of clothes he wore. Just out of curiosity, I'm just, I'm just saying. And, and so John the Baptist, he created this following, this crowd and people. In fact, he was very charismatic and interesting. And they said, are you the one? Or should we look for And he said, no, I'm not the one. I'm just telling you about the one who is coming. He was talking about Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm just here to point you to him. He said, don't confuse me with him. I'm just saying, I'm unworthy to even untie his sandals. He's the son of God. I'm just here to tell you he's coming. And in, for, in John 3, 30, he said, he must become greater and I must become less. Less of me and more of him. See, that's our theme as Christians, isn't it? Less of me and more of Jesus. You know, my whole life he's molding me so I'll be a witness so that when you look at me, you don't really see me, you see Jesus because you see my love. When people saw Audrey Hepburn, they saw a big famous movie star 
who was always focusing on children. She was always focusing on starving kids because she had been one of them. And she just hated that people, she thought that would be eradicated. She thought as a child when they finally liberated them and she could eat, she thought, well, they'll take care of this. This will never happen again. And it just broke her heart. She spent the rest of her life seriously working on that project. I want you to see more of him and less of me. That's what you want to offer, isn't it? Now, how do we represent Jesus? Well, I'll tell you what it boils down to. Motive. Say that to the person beside you. Motive. That's important. Your motive makes all the difference. I want to ask you two questions, and I want you to be honest about the answer to these things. The first question is, who are you representing? Because here's what we'll say. We'll say we represent Jesus, but if we're not careful... We don't realize it, but we're really representing ourselves. In 2 Corinthians, it says this. So we are Christ's ambassadors. The Apostle Paul says this. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. When we plead, come back to God. So what, what we need to realize is what's an ambassador? An ambassador is a person who goes from one country to another country, and then they talk about you know their appeal to follow what, whatever their mission or their message is about that. The highest ranking diplomat to go from one nation to another to represent their home territory. So if you're an ambassador for Christ, you've come from heaven to tell other people about Christ so that when you come, you're just pointing to him. Who are you representing? Are you an ambassador for Christ? When you walk into a room, light walks into a room. When you walk into a room, hope walks into the room because you're representing Christ in what you say, what you do, how you act, how you show love, how you dress, what you post. Everything that we do, we're really going to represent ourselves or we're going to represent Christ. And the second question is this, whose approval matters most? I mean, am I really trying to please God or am I trying to please other people? Am I really representing Jesus or am I just playing to the crowd? Am I trying to fit in instead of shining the light on him? Because, you know, God is, is looking at us and am I living for God or am I living for the crowd? Why do I do what I do? Why do people crave being known and noticed and admired and respected and followed and popular and broadly liked? Well, psychologists tell us the reason. Here's why. It's because they say that, that our need for fame is rooted in injury or neglect. It's rooted in injury or neglect. In other words, if I ever crave to be noticed or known or admired or loved, chances are sometime in my life I felt insignificant. <clears throat> I have a preacher friend I used to work for years ago when I was a young man, and uh, I was his associate minister. And when we would sit together at annual conference, if there was somebody who got up and made a speech a lot and they needed to be heard and they needed to be seen, he would lean over to me and he would say, that boy didn't get enough attention as a child. I never will forget that. I keep hearing his voice in my mind. I never have made a speech on the conference floor because of it, because I'm thinking, you know, I got enough attention as a child, and sometimes I'm quiet in meetings. I don't say a whole lot. I'm listening. I'm paying attention to everything. You know what my favorite meeting is? It's when the lay people make the right decisions and say the right things 
and do the right things, then I just sit there and clap inwardly. I'm just celebrating what they're doing right. I really am. I spent 20 years at a new church just giving away all kinds of responsibility. Spent 20 years trying to work myself out of a job because I really, I want to see people become leaders and I want to see them flourish. I want to see them do well. Sometimes I'll even let them fail in order to ultimately succeed because I want them to be successful. And every now and then, when I feel like it's necessary and there's something important, I'll say, listen, I, I just want to talk about this. I just want to, I want you to consider this option. I just want you to think about this. And then I, I try to leave it alone after that. So maybe you feel insignificant. Or maybe you had parents and it was just really hard to live up to their expectations. You never could please them and so you just quit trying. You just gave up. You said, well, you know, this is fruitless. I'm not going to do this anymore. You felt overlooked. You want to be known or noticed. Do you like me? Do you recognize me? Do you validate me? Do you accept me? I have a micro craving for fame. Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians. For we speak as measure, messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Now pause right there for just a moment. To be entrusted with the good news. What is the good news? Okay, I'm going to tell you. In John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So you want to share the good news. And then it goes on and says, Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. Paul is talking about that. He's saying, listen, I'm not interested in human praise. I'm interested in the single hand clap of God. Who are you representing and whose approval matters most in your life? Less of me and more of him. Now, when everything in culture says be famous, be known, be liked, then we have to realize that our desire for fame is rooted in injury or sin and we'll never find satisfaction there. We're called to do something higher and something greater. We're not called to be famous. We're called to be faithful to the one who has been faithful to us. And when we have a life that's worthy of the one, who has been so worthy to serve us and save us, then he won't come to us one day and say, well done, good and famous YouTube star. That's not going to happen. I know some of you are disappointed right now, but that's not something that impresses him. He'll say, well done, good and faithful servant, right? And so when you serve every week and nobody notices, I want you to know something. God notices. He's paying attention. He said, they may not see it, I want you to know I see it, and I celebrate it when you do it. And when you give, and nobody really knows that you're giving, you give sacrificially, and you think, does anybody even notice or care? I want you to know something. When nobody else notices, God says, I notice, and I care, and I want you to know it makes a difference. And I want to celebrate you for what you're doing. He'll say to you one day, you gave a cup of cold water in my name. You fed the hungry in my name. You visited me when I was sick and I was in prison. You were the person who, who reached out to the least of these, even when it wasn't broadly known. And I want you to know, I was paying attention. I noticed. I saw it. And when the world was not applauding, I want you to know we were applauding in heaven 
because you were doing what I asked you to do. When you pray and nobody notices that your jeans have holes in the knees because you've been on your knees so much in prayer and you think nobody notices, I want you to know, I notice and I want you to know it makes a difference and it makes a difference in eternity. When you turn the other cheek and you act the way that Jesus acted and you don't act like the world and nobody notices, I want you to know I'm noticing. I see it and I'm so proud of you. Tell yourself again and again, the world may not know my name, but Jesus knows my name. And I know his. And I'm in the book of life. The Prince of Peace and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is my Savior. And my Savior knows my name. And my name is written down for him. It's not what you call me. It's what he calls me that matters. He calls me loved and chosen and redeemed. He calls me more than a conqueror. He calls me blessed. And when I realize that I'm not interested in how the world sees me, I just want to know how God sees me. I'm not looking for the applause of the crowd. I'm looking for the approval of God. His opinion matters. Then I'm on the right track. Less of me and more of him. David knew that. What did God say? He was a man after his own Heart. God looked at David and loved David because that's who he was. Was David perfect? No. But he had a heart for God. And David said in the Psalms, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. He was saying, you get the glory. You know, you just used me to kill Goliath, but you used me for a purpose so that I might be your representative. That day I showed the world that there was one true God, and that's why I did it. I wasn't doing it for me. I was doing it for you. A missionary couple returned back to the States after 40 years on the mission field. They had served faithfully. They had sacrificed over the years, and they were on a ship coming back to America. They happened to be on the same ship with President Teddy Roosevelt, who was coming home after some, a big game hunting expedition overseas. And as they're coming into the dock, all these people are there to cheer for the president. The crowds are there clapping and applauding and cheering. The band is playing. And the missionary couldn't help but feel sorry for himself and for his wife. And he turned to his wife and he said, after 40 years of making sacrifice on the mission field, of reaching people and leading people to Christ, we're coming home and there's not one person here to recognize us. And as soon as he said that, the Holy Spirit convicted him. And he heard this message from the throne and God spoke to him. God said, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. And immediately, the missionary knew what he meant. I'm not home. When I get to heaven, there will be a tremendous welcoming committee, a tremendous reward just waiting for me and waiting for you. You're not home yet. Less of me and more of him. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of your Lord. Not to us, Lord, but to your name.
the name that's above every name, in which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for setting us straight. Thank you for helping us see ourselves honestly. Thank you for convicting our hearts and molding us into the people you would have us be. Help us to never be satisfied with where we are, to realize that you love us as we are, but you love us too much to leave us as we are. And Lord, may we give you our lives so that for the rest of our lives, you are molding us into the people that will be made perfect in heaven. And we'll give you the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.